Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Welcome. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are honored that you've chosen to start your week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian Church. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us online. We are so grateful for you today, and a special shout out to those of you in Prescott Valley today. I just want to begin by saying, uh, for those of you in Prescott Valley, just thank you. Like You are the tip of the spear of the ministry of Quad City there in Prescott Valley, and I just want you to know that we are with you. Like I not saying that in the same way that we often tell people, I got your back, and they're like way back. Like that's not, that's not. But this Excel initiative that we are on is to propel the ministry of our Prescott Valley campus. So we are with you. Here's what we know, that as we grow as better disciples of Jesus, that's the whole point of this, is all of us take a step to grow as better disciples of Jesus, Us growing as better disciples will fuel and fund our ability to make more disciples of Jesus in the Quad City and beyond, specifically in Prescott Valley. So I'm so grateful for you today. I want to begin with this. Um, I want you to think of someone who in your life, maybe over the last couple of years, has made you look to God and say, Thank you, God. Think about a person who's made you praise God. Uh, I I know you probably do this with your your wife and your kids all the time, maybe sometimes with your husband, where you thank God for the, but this, I'm a little bit different level. I want you to think about maybe somebody who showed up at a time when you were hurting, or maybe someone who served you in an unexpected way, or someone who met a need for you that you did not know how that need was going to get met. Maybe it was somebody who sacrificed time and money on behalf of your children, or maybe it was somebody who shared their faith with you and it changed your life. And when that happened, you didn't just thank them. You didn't just say, thank you for the way that you've served, but, but it actually made you lift your eyes to God and say, God, thank you. Maybe it was somebody who sent a text at just the right time with just the right words to bring you an encouragement that you needed in that moment. And when that happened, your heart went out and said, thank you, God, because you knew in that moment 
It wasn't just that this person was doing something for you. You knew that it was actually God doing something for you. You knew this was God showing up in your life through that person. And God was saying to you, I see you. I love you. I, I've got you. I've not forgotten you. I'm still here. And from the outside, it just looked like it just looked like a person showing up for you, but you knew the reality was it was God showing up for you through this person. Those are powerful moments. And if you haven't had one of those yet, then I pray in the name of Jesus that all of you would get to experience that moment where God shows up for you through somebody else. But today, I want to offer you something even better. I want to offer you something even better than God showing up for somebody else. I'm sorry, for, for God showing up for you through somebody else. And that is, I want to offer you the opportunity to be the one that God shows up through. To be the one that you leverage your life in such a way that other people look to the heavens and say, oh my God, thank you for them. Thank you for the way that you have shown up and you use them to do it. Today, I want you to go ahead and grab your Bibles or your Excel book. We're going to be in chapter uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is what we've been walking through for the last several weeks. It's actually week five in your Excel book. I think it's page 40. If you've new with us through this series, we've been working through this section of scripture called 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And in this section of scripture, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church and he's inviting them into a generosity initiative. He's inviting them into a, 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 an opportunity to bless people that they would never know through the resources that God has given them. He's wanting to, to want them to excel in the grace of giving. That was the command he gave. Excel in the grace of giving. To outdo, to go beyond, to surpass where you've been before in your generosity for the sake of people you've never met. And Paul is going to tell them, and he's going to tell us that when we do that, the result will be people lifting up Praise to God. Now, I want to begin where we left off last week. Again, all these sermons are all one section, so you can go back and listen to them all. They kind of build off of each other. But this is where we left off last week, where Paul had told the people, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You will be enriched in every way. This is what we talked about last week, that God makes a promise to bless his people, that there is a, a return on the investment that Paul has for us when we give. And he says, look, what's going to happen is God is going to enrich you so that, this gives us the, the purpose for his enriching us, so that you can be generous. Like he doesn't enrich us just so that we can have a bigger house or drive a better car or enjoy more vacations or another streaming service. God promises to enrich us so that, purpose and meaning behind it, we can be generous on all occasions. We will be enriched so that we have a pool of resources at our disposal that we can tap into 
whenever it is that we have an opportunity to be generous. There's this idea that most of us have bought into where we've come to believe that everything that comes to me is for me. We've got this idea that everything that comes to me is for me, but it isn't. Again, we are meant to be the conduit, not the container. He doesn't say it's going to be for you. He says he's enriching you so that you can then be generous. It's not necessarily for you. God will rich you so that you can be generous and enrich others. Now, if you came in today and you're tired of the money stuff, but you've just been hanging in here with me, there's a few extra empty seats in this room. Don't know how you're doing in PV today. But if you are here and you're like, you've just been waiting for the opportunity to get offended and stomped out, mark it down. I'm giving it to you now. All right? This is the moment that you've been waiting for. Okay? Here it is. Right? You're not going to like this. I don't like this, but this is, you're here because you hate me saying, or you like me saying hard things to you sometimes. Here's, Here's the reality that many of us have to come to face, face to face with. I am compelled to share with you today that when it comes to saving money for college fund or a retirement account or for future health needs, it is easy to convince ourselves that what we're doing is prudent and wise and biblical and godly. And it might be. It might be. There are for sure a few texts in the Bible, primarily in the Old Testament, that teach about the wisdom of saving. They are for sure in there. Yet, when you flip over to the New Testament, when you flip over to the New Covenant, everything changes. In fact, in preparation for this series, I could not find one verse in the New Testament that implored the people of God to save money. Not one. In the entire New Testament. Can't, I couldn't find any. It doesn't mean they're not there. They're, some of y'all are smarter than me, and maybe you can find it and share them with me later. I could not find one. But what I did find all throughout the New Testament that there are many, many warnings given to us about holding on to more resources than we need. Like there aren't any verses exhorting us to save in the New Testament, but there are many giving us warning about saving too much. In fact, let me just share a few of you, few of them with you. There's more than this. I just want to share you the ones that Jesus gave us. There's more than this, but here's what Jesus says. Jesus, in Luke 16, tells a story about a rich man dressed in the best clothes. He lived in luxury every day. And there was a poor man named Lazarus who sat at his gates just longing for crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But the rich man never gave him any of those crumbs. The rich man had more than he needed, and he only kept it for himself. And this is what Jesus said happened to them both. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. That is into the kingdom of God. The rich man also died and he was buried. In Hades, 
where he was in torment, he looked and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus by his side. This rich man who had more than he needed, which everyone in that culture would have looked at and said, that guy's blessed by God. Like that's what wealth means. It means God has blessed you. The poor beggar, cursed of God. Rich man, blessed of God. And at the end of the day, the rich man who had more than he needed but did not share and kept it for himself, instead of being generous, he kept it for himself. And in the end, it cost him everything. That's a warning for us. Jesus also tells a story about three men who were given resources by a king to be invested on behalf of the king for the sake of the kingdom. And the first two went out and they doubled the money and returned it to the king. The third just kept it. He hoarded it. He buried it. How do you think the king would respond to that? His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The king did not give those resources to those people for them to keep or to use for themselves, but he gave it gave them those resources for the sake of growing them on behalf of the kingdom. The king expected a return on his investment for the benefit of the kingdom. And this guy didn't do that. He just kept it. And it cost dearly. There was once a rich man who came to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, take everything that you have and go give it away, and then you can be my disciple. And the text says that the man went away sad because he had great wealth. In other words, he had way more than he needed, and he would not give it up, even with Jesus saying, that's what it's going to take for you to get into the kingdom. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, that's what Jesus called him to do. It's not what he's called me to do. It's not what he's called everybody to do. And to that, I would say, yes, that's right. He didn't call everybody to do that. It is what he called this man to do. But I want to focus on what Jesus said next. After that man, or as that man is walking away, Jesus turns to his disciples and look what he says. Truly, I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it's easier for the camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. Like, this is a warning that Jesus gives on the backside of that interaction to his disciples and to us. Many, if not most of us, we are rich. We are. Do not let this warning be levied only for the person in the tax bracket ahead of you. God is warning us about trusting in our wealth. And God doesn't put warnings in Scripture for no reason. Let me give you one more. Jesus once told a story about a man who had barns full of grain, enough to last several years, and then a bumper crop comes in. And he has nowhere to put all this extra grain. 
So what does he do? And he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This man already had more than he needed. And when he gets more, he says, I don't have enough room to store this. I better open up another FDIC account to cover my new found wealth. And God looks at him and says, that wasn't meant for you. How do we know that? Because he, he rebukes him and says, you have prepared it for yourself, but it wasn't meant for you. And so I'm taking it all and your life with it. And then we have this next verse. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Like this isn't about that guy anymore. It's about us. It is a warning that Jesus gives us. This is not the parable anymore. This is Jesus' point of the parable. This is what God is going to do to whoever stores up more than they need and is not rich towards God. Like there is a place for saving. But we need to recognize that all throughout the teaching of Jesus, there are way more warnings about keeping more than you need than there are exhortations to save. So Paul makes it clear in our text in 2 Corinthians that we will be enriched in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. Because everything that comes to us is not meant for us. We are to be the conduits, not just the containers. And what happens when we get this right? You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, Paul says, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul lets them know that when you give generously to the work of God, and Paul says, when you give generously to the work of God through me, the result is going to be thanksgiving is giving to God. Here's the question. How many of you want God to be praised? Just in general, you think this world would be better off if more people were praising God. Yeah? Hope y'all are more with me in PV. Of course we do. Of course we do. If you truly love the Lord, you want him to be praised. In fact, you want whatever you love to be praised. Everything you love, you want it to be praised. Like, like, be at your kids. Like, you get that parent-teacher conference little note, and you're like, oh, dang it, got to go to the thing. And you know it's going to be bad because you've met your kid. 
But then you show up, you show up and the teacher says, your child is such a joy. And all of a sudden your heart wants to explode because you love it when the things that you love get praised. When it comes to listening to sports radio, you love it when the commentator is praising your team. Like you don't even have anything to do with your team. You didn't make them great. But when they praise your team, they're like, yeah, you love that. Be, you love it when somebody praises your favorite band or your favorite restaurant or your favorite book or TV series or even your favorite politician. It, it's natural for us to want the things we love to be praised, which means that if you love the Lord, you want him to be praised. And Paul leans into that and says to this church in Corinth, your generosity will create that. How much is that worth to you? And again, this is a big deal to Paul. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Like when you give to serve the Lord's people, that's great. Their needs are going to get met. That's, that's great. But that's almost secondary for Paul. What's really important for Paul is that that act of generosity is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. This piece is more important to Paul than this piece. You know how I know? Because he spends the rest of the chapter talking about this and not talking about this. He continues, because of this service which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. There's so much to unpack in this verse. Paul says to the church that through your service of giving, he says, you guys are actually proving yourselves. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, now, whenever I read this and I'm studying, I'm like, okay, wait, wait. Their generosity has proved something. It's proving something. What is it? What's it proving? And reading this text, I came up with two things that I think their generosity, Paul points to, that is, that is proven. And here, here they are. Their generosity proved, one, that they had made a confession of the gospel. They had made a confession of the gospel. Their giving wasn't just them giving because they're nice people. Their giving wasn't just because uh, they felt kind in the moment. Their giving, their generosity was a result of a confession of faith in Jesus Christ that they had made. They gave because they were Jesus followers. And here's the second part. Their confession of the gospel was genuine. Their generosity proved that their confession was genuine. Because here's what we know. Anybody can claim to be a follower of Jesus. We all know people who say with their mouth, I love and follow Jesus, but their actions never bear it out. Paul tells these believers in Corinth that the obedience that accompanies their confession proves that their confession is real. It proves that there's been a transformation that has occurred. Their generosity is them putting their, their money where their mouth is. Their generosity is them making the tongue in their mouth match the tongue in their shoe. 
In other words, they are walking their talk. They're, they're going in the same direction. They are living in a way that their generosity proves their confession is genuine. Again, look at what Paul says. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others, here's what's going to happen. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel, and they're going to praise God for your generosity. That's what's going to happen. Others will praise God for your generosity. Notice he does not say, because of the service you've provided, you've proved yourselves, and others will praise you. It's not about you getting praised. It's about God getting praised. And that's what happens when, we, when we're generous with the resources that God gives us to move the kingdom forward. When you invest your resources through the local church and those funds are wisely used to expand the kingdom, it will inevitably lead to praise to God. In week one, we shared with you the vision of the whole Excel initiative. And so there's a vision video. You can find it on our website. Or if you've got one of your books, it's there in the middle. We shared with you there are four initiatives that if we get 100% participation, 100% engagement, where everybody in our church who calls Quad City their home decides, I'm going to take a step and grow in the grace of giving to excel in the grace of giving, that we think there's enough generosity among us that we have four initiatives that we want to fund in the next two years. And one of those is that we want to give a million dollars away to our ministry partners. That is more resources to our ministry partners than we have ever given in a two-year period. And I want you to know just our willingness to commit to that, it is already causing Thanksgiving to be given to God. Hi, my name is Mike Buckta. This is my wife, Danelle, and uh, we're with Team Expansion. I'm Mike Zawanski. This is Gil Streeter, and uh, we are from A Safe Place Ministry in Prescott Valley. This is Jay Greer coming to you from Tokyo, Japan, where my wife, Caitlin, and I are some of your mission partners. My name is Dale Lawrence. I'm the Executive Director of Arizona Reservation Ministries. I'm Joe Ziz. I lead as the Executive Director at UCYC. Hi, I'm Johnny. I'm the house coach at Village of Hope which means that I get to love on pregnant women in crisis. We started in 2005. We went to Peru and started building churches, planting churches, and then moved on to Ecuador for eight and a half years, and we were in Ethiopia for three. Safe Place is a homeless outreach ministry, and what we do is uh, we go out to the homeless uh, with a minivan that is stocked with um, clothing, food, water, toiletries, we don't just go out to serve them. We get out. We go out to know them and be able to minister not only to their needs of uh, food and water, but also with the gospel. These ladies, they want to be good mothers. They want to keep their babies. They choose to keep their babies. We get to show them the love of Christ. They get to stay in this home. We teach them how to do resumes, help them find jobs, and. They get to learn to budget, plan, just simple things that these women might not have ever been shown. We've built 38 homes for homeless families on the reservations. We also have built um, seven 
church buildings for Apache Christian churches on the reservation. And our work is all about trying to share the gospel, to make disciples, and then plant churches in these huge cities in Japan. We share very similar missions. See, Quad Cities' mission is making more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. UC Weiss's mission is partnering with churches to make more and better disciples of Jesus. Our mission has always been making disciples who make disciples. Your mission also is to make better disciples. And that's amazing that we can do it here in the United States, bring it all the way to South America, to Africa, to all parts of the world. And so everything that we do is about creating amazing experiences where the church can come and bring kids and really lead them into a closer and growing relationship with Jesus. We give God so much glory for what we have been able to do through him and through his work in Quad City Church. We thank God for the generosity that you've shown to Village of Hope. We thank God for everything that uh, has happened in the ministry over the last 20 years. And we give all the glory to God for the, the partnership that exists between Quad City and UCYC. We appreciate y'all and we thank God for you and just pray that this has the impact that we think it will have. We thank God for all of that he has done in our lives and the lives of partnering us with churches and people. And without that, we cannot do what we do. When you excel in giving, there is fruit that then increases on the other side of the world. It's because of your generosity that we're able to create experiences for more than 6,000 kids every summer. So we are very excited about what the future brings for this house, for you partnering with us and the generosity that you poured out and the impact that it's had on those women. So you get to excel in giving, and then hopefully we pray that God would allow us to excel in ministry and fruitfulness over here, all to his glory, your credit, and our joy. Thank you so much for your partnership. That's what you're a part of. As you invest here, it gets to enrich lives all around the world. We've been partnering with some of those for 10, 15, 50 years. Like it's been a long time and we've been getting Got to be a part of that. And this initiative is going to help us to be able to do that even, even more. But not only are we going to get to see people praise God because we give away a million dollars, we believe that praise will also be lifted up for generations for the $7 million that we have allocated through our, our uh, Excel initiative. Like, don't miss this. In our vision, the biggest piece of the pie is building out a campus in Prescott Valley. Like, uh, we've got $7 million, although we know it's going to take a lot more than that. I want to make sure that you see that $7 million for what it is. It is the greatest investment in making more disciples that we have ever made as a church. It's the greatest. It's the greatest amount of outreach dollars that we have ever spent. When we created this space here on the Prescott campus, this auditorium that we've been in five years ago, we built it knowing that all of us who are part of the Prescott campus would get to be a part of it. Now, we built it bigger than we needed at the time because we wanted to make room to make disciples for those of you 
who've been coming to the Quad City area in the last five years. We wanted space for you. But all of us who are part of the Preston campus, we knew we were going to get to enjoy this place too. What we're doing in Prescott Valley, that isn't true for us. Now, it's true for those of you in Prescott Valley, but you guys just hang on for a second. Let me talk to those of you here in Prescott. We, we aren't building that for us. Like the vast majority of us who are in Prescott, we will not be gathering to worship on that campus on a regular basis. Like we may stop by and enjoy and partake every once in a while, but it is not going to be our regular gathering place for worship. We aren't building it for us. We are building it for those who don't have a place yet to gather for worship. And just and not just worship on Sundays, we're building it as a place for people to gather all during the week, a place for students to gather to be discipled. And not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. And no doubt we're going to launch the ministries that we do here in Prescott Valley when we have the, the place to do it. Things like our community meals, our uh, Celebrate Recovery, Kids Week, a Grief Share, and Discipleship Groups, and Women's Events, and Men's Breakfast, and on and on we could go. It is truly the greatest outreach investment we have ever made as a church. And again, it would be, I've fallen into this over the last couple of months as, as the enemies poked at my soul in this. It would be really easy for us to say. You know what? We've got a great church here in Prescott. We've got a great ministry here in Prescott. And we can realistically serve about 1,100 people through three services here on this campus per week. And so we're just going to do that. Like that would be a lot easier. That's a lot of people it's a lot of ministry. It's a lot of kingdom impact. In fact, it would put us in the top 5% of churches in the nation if we just did that. that. It would be really easy just to sit back and to pat ourselves on the back and say that we're doing our part and let somebody else worry about all those people out there in Prescott Valley. But the mission of Jesus won't allow us to do that which is why we are willing to invest millions of dollars into a community that most of us don't live in, to create a campus that most of us will not attend, that will potentially serve thousands of people that we will never know. Why would we do that? Because we want people who do not know Jesus to willingly bow to him in love now before he returns instead of being forced to bow to him in fear after he returns. Again, this is our greatest investment in making more disciples than we've ever made before. And if we pull this off, then our generosity will result in people praising God for decades to come. And not only will they praise God, Paul says, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. 
in the same way that our hearts go out to those who laid the foundation of faith for us, be it in your home church or in your family tree or in your personal journey with Jesus, in the same way that our hearts go out to those who laid the foundation for us, Paul says there will be a day when others' hearts will go out to you because of God's surpassing grace that he gave you, which is interesting. It doesn't say because of the surpassing grace that God has given to them. No, no, no. They're going to praise God because God gave grace to you. I mean, think about that for just a moment. How many of you have ever seen the grace of God poured out in somebody else's life and you say, oh my goodness, God, I'm so grateful you, you graced them in such a powerful way. No, most of the time we're like, well, why did not give me some of that? Like, I want to be blessed like that. I see you blessing them. Bless me. I see you pouring out grace for them. Pour that out. For, why don't I get some of that? But Paul says, no, 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 you, you're missing it here. There's going to be a day when their prayers and their heart go out to you because of the surpassing grace God gave to you. Why? Because the surpassing grace that God gave to you didn't stay with you. Because it got poured on out and impacted them. Because what was given to you didn't stay with you because you were the conduit, not the container. Next week is Commitment Sunday, and here is my ask of you. I'm asking you, if you call this your church home, to please dedicate some time this next week and ask God, what is he asking you to do? What is taking it a a step look like for you? What does excelling in the grace of giving look like for you? Not just collectively through us, but for you as an individual. And as you begin working through that process, here's a question I want you to wrestle with. Is your commitment praiseworthy? Is the commitment that you write down on that card, is it, is it one that people are going to look at and say, I praise God for them and the way that God has blessed them because the way God blessed them is impacting me? Is it praiseworthy? Is the commitment that you're making going to make other people want to praise God? This question isn't answered necessarily through a specific amount or a percentage. It's answered through our willingness to sacrifice for the kingdom. And I hope you will sign up to be a part of that. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful that you've invited us into something so big and that you've poured out your grace for us so that we can be a blessing to others. God, begin to do your work in our heart. And may we joyfully and excitedly leverage all the resources you have given us for the kingdom of the Son that we love. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.